right, here we go with part two of a short series I'm going to do on Incognito, which is the name of our tour this year, as we go into prisons and really try to help inmates discover who they are in Christ. And even though they may wear the disguise of uh, being an inmate or a felon, maybe they've done some criminal things, um, if they've believed on Jesus, then they have a whole new identity. But that's true for all of us. And uh, in the last episode, we talked about from 1 Peter 2.9, which has kind of been the theme scripture. We have it on our banners uh, when we get one of our banners, when we go in to do the prison shows. Um, we talked about being a chosen people, how we are chosen by God, that we don't choose to follow God. I mean, we do when he, after he chooses us and draws us. You know, Jesus said that no one can come to the Father unless he draws them. And, uh, and so, you know, it's God that causes us to want to choose to follow him in the first place and makes a deposit of faith in us so that we can believe the gospel. And if that's happened for you, praise God, you know. Uh, so we're going to dig a little deeper into that and kind of how does it apply to, I guess, having a prosperous journey in life, being successful in life, um, and uh, according to the Word of God. But before we get there, I'm going to give you an update on uh, Life on the Verge and what we're doing. Thank you guys that have generously given to keep us on the road. My Lord, we're, we're $5.89 a gallon for diesel. It's crazy. We have developed a thriftier way of doing things than when we started in the, in the beginning. And it's, this is true of really any new venture, I guess. You know, when you step out and you try to pioneer a new work, you're kind of chopping down the weeds by faith. You're taking one step in front of the other and and kind of trying to blaze a trail, so to speak. And it took us a while. We were zipping all over the place, you know, this event, that event, following different ministries, developing our own identity as a ministry. And now we kind of can see we got a little bit of a template. And for the last several years, we've been able to go out and plant our RV kind of at a hub for a month is the best case scenario. And that's what we've done on this tour. We, we just left one campground uh, east of Tallahassee, which is region two of the florida prison system and uh then we we just moved west of tallahassee closer toward panama city beach in that area and now we're in region the region one what they call region one of the florida prison system and we'll be here for a month we've got 13 prison programs this month and moreover that also a trip to nashville which is where we'll be headed tomorrow actually uh partly to see my son but then also we have our new partners boo radley that live in nashville that made it out uh with us we want to thank you for helping us create a platform where they could do their very first prison ministry uh just a couple of weeks ago and now they're scheduled to do about 10 of them with us this month so we're gonna do a little plotting and planning with them and uh, then they have a prison fellowship representative. If you're not familiar with prison fellowship, that is the largest prison ministry in the world. It was started by Chuck Colson, uh, who's gone to be with the Lord. He was he was taken down in the Watergate scandal back in the 70s, did some time in prison, came to Jesus and started prison fellowship, which has blossomed into, again, probably the largest prison ministry in the world. And we are affiliated with prison fellowship. We are what's called a preferred artist um, to do events with them. Well, this new couple that we met through their son, who's an inmate in prison that we just got to see again and pray with, um, they are uh, connected to a prison fellowship representative that is over 200 prisons in the South. 
and uh, they're looking for artists to be involved with what they're doing. So we're going to hopefully meet with that guy while we're in Nashville. So pray about that, you know, that uh, that we would uh, make the connections we need to make. We'll be there for about three days. Then we come back and we hit the ground hard. Um, so I don't know how accurate or how timely my podcast will be this month because we are just going to be moving and grooving the whole month before we head back north to Virginia for some church services and a youth event, some other things that we'll be doing. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be right back on another prison tour uh, in uh, early to mid-August. So yeah, there's the update on Life on the Verge. But again, a huge thank you to you guys that keep us on the road. And we couldn't do it. You know, we're all doing this together. And we thank you for investing in what we're doing. We ask you not just to give, but to pray as well um, that God would just open doors and that we would be able to uh, have effective ministry in the prisons. We did have one lockdown last month that cut a program short by an hour. And so I I just think demons are at work sometimes. It was a big program, too. We had um, 300 guys had signed up for a chapel that only holds 200, and they had to turn away 100 guys. And, man, they were off the wall. We had standing room only. Um, There were literally 20 or 30 guys standing in the back. Um, and the place was packed. The overflow was packed, and they were on fire. Got an hour into it, and there was a lockdown. And I don't doubt that someone on the outside there, someone still got demons in them, may have known that such a positive, uplifting, popular thing was happening at the prison and intentionally caused something. I know the devil would do that through somebody. But uh, anyway, pray for us, all right? Okay, back to Incognito Part 2. Admittedly, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place this morning, just kind of sharing what's going on in my head and heart as I read the Word and try to keep my devotional life, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not on fire. That's a religious word. I'm trying to keep my devotional life on par, you know, just stay in the Word. And uh, kind of the things that are happening in my head, you know, I could break down that scripture, our key scripture, First uh, Peter, I might have said second earlier, but First Peter Two nine that says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so you know, I could break that down into each little phrase. That's a cool study. You know, we talked about chosen people. Well, what is a royal priesthood? You know, I mean, we don't have to have a, a go-between us and God. Jesus is the go-between. We're all priests to our God. Uh, we're a holy nation or a holy people group, holy meaning set apart to God, his special possession. He has acquired us is what that means, brought us into his family and grafted us, one scripture says, um, into the vine. Um, but I want to I kind of go in a little different direction this morning and, and talk about, um, you know, how this world system is constantly attacking our identity. Obviously, for inmates, they've, they've had a major assault and by their own hands most of the time um, in, you know, who they, who they view themselves as. They struggle to forgive themselves. But that's not just true of people that are in prison. We all struggle with that, that we don't measure up to what this world says is successful. And world 
is not necessarily a people group. It's a system that denies or marginalizes God and his role in the universe, okay? And so with the rise of communication today, social media and TV and movies and the news cycle and all that, we're bombarded with things that constantly challenge or question our identity, who we are and do we matter and that kind of thing. So when we see that term, when I use that term, the world, the scripture uses it a lot, and in one place, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 uh, and 17, says, Do not love the world. In other words, don't love, don't devote yourself to this system that marginalizes God or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, uh, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those are things that challenge our true identity and uh, and question our role in life. And they're, they're, they go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's exactly what Satan used against uh, Eve, you know, in, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, it says, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden. It, the, the serpent, the devil, is tempting her. And in, let's just jump to verse 6 there. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And then she gave it to uh, uh, Adam, as we know. And then the shame overtook them. They realized they were naked and the rest is history. Okay. What's important there is that she saw the fruit was good for food. And I equate that with the lust of the flesh. She saw the fruit was pleasing to the eyes, the lust of the eyes that it was desirable for gaining wisdom, meaning to be like God. That's what the devil was promising, which is the pride of life. Jesus defeated all three of these temptations in the, in the wilderness. Well, when the devil challenged him to turn the stone into bread, that was the lust of the flesh, but Jesus put him down and overcame that. Then the devil promised him all the kingdoms of the world, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and, and said, look, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all of this. That's the lust of the eyes. Jesus said, no way, use scripture and, and, and put that down. And then the devil took him to the, uh, I think the high point of the temple or something like that and said, throw yourself down and prove who you really are. And uh, Jesus came back at him with scripture and put that down. That's the pride of life, right? Prove to me who you're really who you say you are. And so we know that because Jesus was tempted in those areas that we we have an advocate. We have someone that understands us. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely... It is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and a faithful high priest in the service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, I use that whole passage for a reason, because verse 15 is really important free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Uh, well, let's, let's back up 
and talk about what, what, what does this have to do with having a prosperous journey in life? Well, fear is really at the root of sin. Fear that I'm going to miss out. Fear is why we compromise. Fear drives us to despair, and despair leads us to compromise. We fear we won't measure up to what the world says is successful. When we're being bombarded by all these images and all these things that are telling us this is what success looks like by this age, you should have this much money in the bank. Uh, You should be wearing this. You should be vacationing here. This is what success looks like, constantly appealing to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? So it, it causes fear to arise. We fear that we won't be significant in life. Therefore, we fear death. I'm going to die and I didn't do anything great, you know. Um, and so let's use another word for fear. Another word for fear is worry or anxiety. And that word, you know, Jesus said in, in chapter uh, 6 of Matthew, uh, down around verse 31 or something like that, uh, this is where my devotional the other day kind of comes in. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And he was talking about how we shouldn't worry about what we're going to eat. We shouldn't worry about what we're going to wear, how God provides for the birds. And and uh, we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. Man, we have seen that. Now, we've worried and we've had anxiety, uh, but you recognize it, right? Jesus said, I tell you, do not worry. That, that word in the Greek is merimna, I think is how you pronounce it. And it means to be distracted or pulled in two different directions, to be divided. And that's what fear does. Fear pulls us in one direction while faith pulls us in the other. So when I read that scripture the other day in my devotional, it wasn't anything new. Um, but I, I did go, well, what's the therefore? I, I, I never thought it says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. And when you see therefore in the Bible, you ask yourself the question, what's the therefore? So what, where, what was, what was the, the context of the conversation when he said, don't worry? Now, I found this to be very important for me when I backed up and I read the whole passage. And I won't read the whole thing, but I just backed up a verse. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't be devoted to God and money. Now, there's a popular saying that says, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, no, the scripture says the love of money. To be more devoted, money is a great servant, but a terrible master. And uh, so he says, you know, you can't you you can't make money your master. You got to have one master. It's either money or God. Well, I well, I, well I'm gonna back up further. Let me back up to the very beginning where he starts this conversation in verse 19. He says, "Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is." There your heart will be also. All right, so I'm getting the. I'm, here we go. God is saying, don't don't put your faith, your devotion, don't don't place that on the things of this world, on money and the things it can buy. But be devoted to God and use that as a tool uh, to fulfill your role in on earth. Well, sandwiched between, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, and no one can serve two masters. Is is this these two verses? He says. For where your treasure is, your heart is in verse 21. And then verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. 
If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he goes on, no one can serve two masters, either you'll hate one. And then the next verse, therefore I tell you, do not worry. So I'm sitting here and I'm connecting the dots and I'm saying, well, Jesus is saying that what you're putting into your eyes is going to call, can cause you to worry. It can cause you to fear. I mean, it seems pretty obvious um, if you're feeding your mind constant negativity, the constant news cycle of bad news, things happening in the world, um, then you're going to worry. You're going to have more anxiety. Now, obviously, there are chemical imbalances and things that need to be treated by physicians and therapists. And I look, Luke in the Bible was a doctor. Okay, I, I believe in doctors both for your your mental health and your physical health. So there is you know cases that need to be treated. But for most of us that you know we get along in life, but we're constantly struggling with worry, which is fear. Fear that it's not going to work out. Fear that I'm not going to have enough. Fear of lack. Fear that I'm not going to measure up. And it holds us back and it keeps us from having the influence and making the investment in life that we should. The fear of man, right? The fear, the, the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. It will hold you back. It will keep you from stepping out and doing the things that you have the potential to do. And the only reason you're not doing it is because you're worried that it's not going to work out, that you're going to fail, that you're not going to have enough. Um, and this is all fed by what we're putting in to our eyes. You know, go back to that scripture, the lust of the eyes. Well, it, it might not be because you are, um, you know, desiring things with your eyes that you know are sinful, um, but it's what you're putting into your mind is causing you to think, you know, uh, that man, you read the extreme cases, okay, where I read a case where a guy um killed his whole family because he saw what was happening in the world and he was trying to save them from the wrath to come or something like that. You know, I mean, that's that's what we put into our eyes and our ears, really. Um, put, put in darkness constantly, negativity constantly, and don't be surprised if you live with fear and worry. And that fear and worry holds you back. You don't live with sweet abandon. You know, um, it's like the fear of death. I use that scripture out of uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 2, I think. You know, Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. And if we constantly remind ourselves that this life, we are all just tiny little babies. We're living for eternity. There's no reason to fear. Let's live by faith and let's be prepared to die by faith. We're going to leave this life. And, if, you know, there's, there's a holy, almost, you know, terrifying aspect to it, you know, that I'm going to see God, you know, it's crazy. But it's the one thing that we all have in common, no matter who you are, is that we're all leaving this life. And so if we will feed our faith, instead of constantly feeding our, our fear, letting things into our eyes, and, and our ears for that matter, that feed uh, worry, you know, we can live with sweet abandon. We can do the things that God puts before us without worry, without fear. I mean, we're always going to wrestle with the emotion, um, but we can overcome it 
if we will let light into our eyes on a regular basis, constantly reminding ourselves who I am in Christ. That's why the scripture tells us to renew our minds. You know, Peter said to set our minds on things above and not things below, not the things of this earth. Now, I'm going to tell a story of how this worked out for me one time, and I have to remind myself of these things. And in all likelihood, I've told this story before because that's what preachers do. It may be in an earlier podcast. But nevertheless, one time I was a youth pastor, a young adult pastor, had a sizable youth group for the size of the church. It was probably a third the size of the church. Had a lot of young adults that were part of our young adult ministry. And on Wednesdays is when we had our service and I was putting together a series called Slaying the Wolves of Worry. And uh, that's what worry is, isn't it? It's a wolf. It comes in to devour our potential and the things we could do, but we don't do because we're dealing with fear. We're giving in to fear and worry and anxiety. We're being pulled in two directions and we give in to the fear. That's why Jesus said, O ye of little faith in that scripture. We need to build our faith up and step out in spite of fear. So anyway, I'm putting this sermon together called Slaying the Wolves of Worry. At the time, my senior pastor, he let me work from home on the day that I had to prepare so I wouldn't be distracted when I was trying to get my message together. And, you know, I'm sitting at the computer and I'm typing up my notes and studying. And at the time, we were really living hand to mouth. You know, all three of my kids were in the house, had a mortgage payment, and we were we were struggling. And I wanted to do better for my family. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, we were like barely paying the bills, and uh, and and I'm, you know, starting to worry. I'm, I'm sitting there while I'm putting together a sermon called "Slaying the Wolves of Worry." I'm, I'm like, Lord, I, I got up to pray, and I started pacing and praying. And I wasn't praying, Lord, give me the word that you want for me to speak tonight. I was praying, Lord, would you show me a way that I could have a side hustle? Would you show me a way that I could make more money? Would you show me a way that, you know, I can, I don't know, develop a craft, give guitar lessons, something, a business I could start somehow to make a little extra money? You know, my pastor, um, he, you know, this church had gone through some some tight financial times and uh he had been a carpet layer, you know, before uh, he entered full-time ministry. So he had a skill and a craft, and he could go out and make pretty good money on the side when he needed to. I didn't have anything like that. And and I was like, man, Lord, show me a way, you know. And that's what I'm praying. I'm fearing that I won't have enough. And I'm not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in that moment. I'm, I'm look, I mean, that's a valid prayer. Don't get me wrong. But in the moment, it wasn't. And finally, I said, you know what? All right, I'm just going to put, I'm going to lay this anxiety down in the name of Jesus. I'm going to get back on my sermon. Uh, that's it. In the name of Jesus, God will provide. He's my provider. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to work on the sermon. I sat down at the computer. Once I made my mind up, no sooner than my fingers hit the keyboard, my cousin that I had not talked to in probably two or three years, at least, I mean, I rarely see, now I see him maybe once a year, but back then I hardly ever saw him. Uh, he lived in, you know, an hour and a half from me, and we just didn't hang out, you know. And he call, he calls me, and he says, hey, man, um, I, I don't know why, but the Lord just put it on my heart to send you $500, so what's your address? I was like, what? Now, back then, $500 was like, man, you know, winning a little lottery, and uh, <clears throat> it taught me a great lesson that God can be trusted. If I will just 
put my mind on the thing that God has given me to do. Now, look, some of you may equate, or you know, the fact that you know I've been in ministry, but really, any vocation is ministry if you look at it that way. That's why the, the I think it's in Colossians three twenty three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not unto men. Whatever it is that you're doing. You know, if you realize that, you know, I have a boss on this earth, but ultimately I work for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I work to in some way proclaim the praises of the one that called me out of darkness. That's why Martin Luther called our vocation a mask of God. It's certainly okay, and I think it's very important that we dream of, you know, the bigger, maybe maybe better things, the things we'd rather do. But we need to do whatever we're doing right now is unto the Lord. And then we should have vision for the future. Wrote a whole book about it, Thrival Mode, uh, using the power of vision to ignite your passion for living. I think that's really important. God gives us permission to dream. And I'm, I'm, I gave the example of Ricky and a $500 you know, do- donation to my family, really. Um, but we've seen, I mean, Life on the Verge is, is a picture of, look, we're, we're all in. We've just stepped into this thing, Lord, and we're going to trust. And here we are 11 years into this, and I'm looking back, and I'm just blown away at how valid that scripture is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That I, I, The things that God has blessed us with, I don't think that I could have ever earned if I put my whole being into it. We just did the thing God put in front of us and continue to do that. Um, I'll tell you a fear that creeps in sometimes, you know, like, have I done enough? You know, is there something more I should be doing? Uh, because what can happen when you do live by faith and you do see God providing like this, you know, you, you do see yourself as, look, I am chosen by God. I am appointed by God. I'm a holy part of a holy nation. I'm a, a priest unto God, and I'm going to declare the praises of him that called me out of darkness. And you go all in, you know, uh, and God provides. What, what happens is the blessings are like cookies, you know what I'm saying, is that you look to that as confirmation that I'm on the right path, and that's okay. You know, God confirms our steps. But in those lean times when... Uh, you know, oh man, we haven't seen a big blessing lately. We haven't seen a breakthrough lately. We haven't seen the fingerprints of God, something that just, you know, we know God intervened and caused this thing to happen. Once again, it's easy to slip into worry. It's easy to slip into fear. Am I falling short? Am I? We got to remind ourselves, look, nothing's changed. Only my mindset has changed. And in my case, um, I know like recently you know, when I get on the road, especially, it's really hard to do what we do without uh, using social media to let people know what we're doing. It's really easy to get, you know, pick your phone up and waste away scrolling through social media or uh, looking at the news cycle. You know, so I I tend to fall into looking at a bunch of different news sites and reading news stories, and many times I'm letting darkness into my eyes too much it's okay to be informed about what's going on in the world don't get me wrong and i don't mean just because i'm looking at someone that's having a great vacation in the bahamas that that's darkness what they're doing but the darkness is creeping in is comparison and oh wow you know and and even subconsciously i think because consciously i don't think like that but i think subconsciously it affects my mood so the challenge for me and maybe it's for you as well 
is, you know, the last couple of days, yesterday, I didn't even look at the news. I checked my email once, and uh, I think I posted something on social media, but I didn't scroll. And I had a better day yesterday. You know, I felt good. Uh, and and uh, I mean, we know, there's scientific studies that prove the damage that too much of that stuff can can do to our even our subconscious. Um, but the eye is the lamp. And, and so I can't let that stuff in because too much of that stuff in, I should say, because it can cause distraction. It can cause me to lean in the direction of fear. If I see someone that's even honestly a post that we put up, I, I know that someone can be sitting at home and they don't feel like they're doing much for God. And then they see a post that we're out here doing what looks like this great hero of the faith stuff in prisons and compare their lives to that and worry that they don't measure up. It's dangerous, you know? And so we just got to be aware of that and, uh, and, and not give in to fear and worry, but to constantly be feeding our faith and stepping out in faith in spite of fear. You know, fear and worry and anxiety are always going to be there, uh, but we're going to triumph over it because we know who we are, that we are chosen by God. Why are we chosen? To publicly proclaim what he has done in our lives in whatever way that measures out. You know, it's like, obviously you can't go to work and stand on the table in the lunchroom and hold your Bible up and preach at people. That's not going to work real well. But you do your job in such a way as to proclaim the praises of the one that called you out of darkness. And then as the Lord gives you opportunity, you look for those opportunities that maybe there's a chance to publicly speak to someone or to interject uh, something into the conversation at work or whatever you're doing that is a, a, a more overt way of sharing the gospel. So yeah, I hope that helps. Kind of rambling again. Uh, it may be a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll do what we can do, but please pray for us because it's going to be a challenge to our physical bodies to do this as well. And thank you again for uh, keeping us on the road and in prison. Don't just think in terms of the crowds that we reach. Think in terms of of the individuals that we would have the word in season to help someone's son or daughter or father or mother or grandfather uh, those folks that are in prison um, just for a moment think about what it might you know feel like you know, paul said that remember those in prison as if you were there with them uh, when i really think about that that someone can be you know on drugs at 18 years old and commit an act that locks them away for the rest of their life. It just, man, um, yeah, they need to go to prison. The boy that killed my brother needed to go to prison for what he did, but how horrible. He was 19 years old, messed up on drugs, and yeah, he's getting his just due, but he still uh, is in need of the mercy of God. So thank you for sending us to these folks to remind them that the church on the outside has not forgotten or forsaken the church on the inside. God bless you. Have a great Sometimes falling angels fly. I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.